I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello and happy season finale, our dear Dateable (laughs) listeners. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating, where we're going to wrap up the season with how to be single on purpose and what it means to be single and how to relish in being single. And at the same time, balancing wanting to date and wanting to be in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And don't worry, we're not going anywhere. Basically, we're still here every week. So if that was a fair of yours, no fair. But I still can't believe we're at the season finale of season 12. It just keeps going, you know, like, this is the gift that keeps giving. There's always new material in the world of dating and relationships. We're not gonna stop. Okay, we're not gonna (laughs) stop. Just because the season is ending doesn't mean we stop. And we are constantly thinking of new topics. In fact, we have a list of like, 
at least a million topics, right, Julie? At mm-hmm. least a million. Obviously a million and counting. But I think this is a good also call out that you can always submit your story. We're always looking for new stories also, in addition to our running list of topics. So if you want to submit the form, it's datablepodcast.com slash story. I think that's always a great idea to like give us new ideas. We're, we're very open to new ideas and then also really going in on the topics that we've been wanting to talk about. Yeah. You can also DM us. It's super easy. DM us on Instagram at Datable Podcast. Or you yep. can just stalk us. Like you can find our address. <laughs> what are you asking just- for? Anyway, someone like shows up at our house. And they're like, please talk <laughs> hey, about can you talk ballooning. About please talk about looting. Here's a cup of coffee. I don't know. That's just in my dreams. Someday. (laughs) You know what's funny, though? It's like, I feel like I've been thinking about the question you asked all week last week Mm -hmm. about the wedding um, speech. So for anyone that missed that, go back to last week's episode. UA brought up this wedding speech um, that she was at the wedding and heard the maid of honor, matron of honor, giving the speech. And it was basically about like, should your partner be your priority? And I've been thinking about it all week. And I feel like it also plays in very well to this week's episode. We were super excited to get John Kim. We've been following him for a long time because he's kind of like, your priority should be yourself in a way. Mm. If you don't have your baseline down, you can't be a good partner to someone else. Mm-hmm. I asked a few other friends about this because her exact words were prioritize your partner above everything else, mm-hmm. above your family, above your children, above your work, above your dreams, <laughs> above <laughs> your soul. And it was interesting to see what people bring into the question mm. because some of the women I spoke to were like, I can't believe he said that. He's just so possessive. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I said the matron of honor. Oh, so that was interesting. Shit. Yeah. Shit. So we were like, well, I can't. He is obviously one of those patronizing men who believes that their partner should put them on a pedestal. I'm like, wait, 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 no, it was a woman. And some women have said, oh, I've been in really bad, toxic relationships where I put the, my partner as priority above everything else, including myself, and I lost my identity. Yes. There's yeah. fear of that, too. I personally, one of the things that I would screen for when I was dating was like, does this person feel good about themselves? as a whole. And I think like I've run into issues before where that hasn't been the case. It bites the relationship later because Mm -hmm. I think ultimately you need to feel good about yourself to give to another person. But that being said, I think we could also get into this like endless loop of self-development. And that's also a dangerous place too, because if you're never relating to other people, you can't actually put it into practice. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was like talking to a friend the other day and she's like, shit, this relationship stuff is hard. Like I wasn't expecting to like get all my own self shit like reflected at me. And you hear that all the time that relationships are basically a self reflection. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I saw this quote somewhere that like people like jump ship when it gets too hard to work on themselves. But really, like, that is kind of like an out in a way because it's safer because someone's not like putting this magnifying 
glass up to you to see where your issues are. So you're basically saying like, I'm going to go work on it myself. Yeah. And then you don't have that accountability. But then also in other situations, someone should work on it themselves. So it's, it's a very hard line, I think. It, we've been talking to a lot of our listeners who have found partners in the time that they've started listening to our podcast. Mm-hmm. And I love to credit us for them finding <laughs> their partners. But when you step back and think, it's not that the podcast has helped people find their people. It's that podcast, including ourselves, has helped people find the right relationship mm-hmm. and how to create the right relationship. And I've said this quote before from the founder of Hinge. He says, you don't find the one you create the one together. Mm-hmm. And that w- is exactly what resonates with me about this episode. It's like we can't sit back in our dating lives and think, well, I'm going to be single now and I'm, I'm or I'm dating now and I'm going to find this thing that I'm looking for. No, no we're constantly working on f- being in a, in a healthy relationship, even when you are single. Right. And I hope that's what people are taking away from Dateable is that we are prepping everyone to be in healthy relationships. Relationships. Totally. And I think that's a good point. Now, and I loved about this episode too is he t- single on purpose. It does, he actually says you don't have to really be single to be single on purpose. Like you can yes. be in a relationship, but you should still have that sense of self and devote time to it. And I think that is really important because I think sometimes even in a relationship, you end up spending all your time together and you can like merge together. But having your own interests and having your own perspective still, that's what attracted someone to you in the first place. So you don't want, I'm very conscious of like losing that stuff. And I think that's why the statement in the speech, I of course want to make my partner a priority, but putting them as the only priority, I fear that that would happen. Yes. And then you lose everything else. And then what happens? (laughs) You're just like lost in this relationship. I do feel, I did hear a friend of mine respond to this question and she said, you don't put your partner's priority, you put your relationship as priority. Mm. And I thought that was an interesting point too, because in the last week, my partner and I were traveling. And sometimes when you're traveling, you come across conflicts all the time, right? (laughs) Definitely breaks it out, right? (laughs) Every time something happens and it could be something so small. But for him, there was a point where he was getting annoyed at me and I didn't realize it, but I could tell he was annoyed in some way. And for me, when I am annoyed, the last thing I want is someone in my face. Like, are you okay? Is everything okay let me make it better for you so Mm. I put myself in I put him in my shoes and was like oh if I'm annoyed I just want to be left alone for him when he's annoyed he wants me to be in his face like coddling him yeah okay baby everything's gonna be fine so we had this conversation and I had to put myself aside for it and think if I were to prioritize our relationship what would I do well then I would prioritize stepping forward and being in his face and helping him and being a partner for him as opposed to putting myself first and thinking, oh, I would just step back. So that is is the the mantra I kept mm-hmm. telling myself in my head as you're putting the relationship as priority. I like that. And maybe some of putting the relationship first is both people taking individual me time or yeah. focusing on other stuff because that would make less resentment in the relationship as a whole or make it more interesting because you can come back and have new things and shared experiences to talk about. Like maybe that is the way that you kind of like prioritize it all. And then Julie, for you being in a new relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning of a relationship, you want to spend all your time together. Yeah. You're trying to 
catch up on years of not knowing each other. And at some point, you're going to have to like figure out the whole me time situation too. Mm -hmm. What do you think when you guys get to that point? What do you think your me time will be? What what do you think you'll you'll be craving at that point? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, You know, like we do spend a lot of time together right now, but I don't feel like deprived of me time. Mm -mm. So I'm, I'm having trouble with it because there's not really like something that like I'm like feel like I'm missing right this minute either um I kind of have me time right now because my boyfriend's gone for a week so I'm like in the he's me gone t- for a week yeah I'm like in the me time in the moment it's I'm like, like forced me time. I'm like what am I doing right this minute I'm talking to you which I always do anyways um I think honestly maybe it's working on more personal projects like like carving that out again like I think even you know doing stuff that's like just gives me joy of like like I was like over COVID I was like painting and like doing stuff that like doesn't really have a purpose but I enjoy doing it and I think that stuff maybe goes to the wayside a little now because it's like you're balancing someone new plus I feel very strongly about not like totally throwing my life out of whack when I'm with someone new so I'm very conscious of like continuing to make plans with friends and like keep that side of my life going also maybe maybe sleep that's what I would say I think I've just been like burning the candle a little too much is maybe what has been the effect of it more because I feel like when I'm not seeing him I'm like making plans with someone else like a friend because I don't Mm -hmm. want those relationships to go to the wayside or I'm like putting our dateable stuff in like maybe it's just like downtime I haven't been watching as much like TV and stuff than I once was and honestly I'm okay with that I don't need to be doing that as much as I maybe was during like COVID and stuff Um, but maybe that's what the me time is that I've been putting down. Downtime is so important. And we are so guilty right now for trying to fill up our every hour of the day. But downtime, I think, is the most valuable me time for myself yeah. personally. But the FOMO is back. I'm not going to lie. FOMO's back. I, oh I my see God. the people yeah. out and I'm like, I want to be part of that. The uh, meeting new people, that's back. Yeah. <laughs> All of that. All the extroverted activities are back and I'm slowly prepping myself. And something else that's back is sexy time. People are having sex. I'm hearing it. I was like, how do you know this, UA? Are you like running a poll? (laughs) I did. I ran a poll. I ran a poll on our Instagram, but I meant to bring this up a few (laughs) weeks ago. It wasn't like, who's having sex? I know. I was like, I I think I saw that poll. It was not like, maybe we should. Who is fucking right this minute? Who's photoing? Photoing Photoing. Right photoing in Florida. <laughs> but I did ask a question. Remember the poll we put up that was, how did you learn about different sex positions yes. other than missionary? That's a little and different than who's having sex right now. Yes. We're going to put up a different poll of who's having sex right now. I thought it was really fascinating that most people wrote friends as who, how they learned about different sexual positions from. And then Cosmo was number two, but Friends was number one. I would say those are mine for sure. Like, I think Friends was definitely it. Just like hearing people talk and like being like, what is this? You know? Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Then how did the friends, so where did the friends learn it? I don't know. You just need that one friend (laughs) that was like in it. The one that started at 12. You exactly. Know? exactly. Like, listen, the helicopter is and you're like, oh, shit, please tell me more. Exactly. Yeah, who's patient zero? Who are they learning it from? Their parents? A playboy? I mean, I don't know. maybe like 
Yeah, I guess it's interesting because our listeners are, you know, a lot of us are millennials. I would say that's probably like the bulk of our listeners and then probably Gen X next. So I'm curious if people that were more like younger millennials or Gen Z would say porn in the internet more because I think that's like just a byproduct of the generation. Like we couldn't look that stuff up as much on the internet. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I would say, I guess my answer would be porn, but I guess that would be later in life. Or I guess, you know, VHS porn, <laughs> scrambled, unscrambled showtime. I know. I still always think about it. I told, I talked about this on uh, the episode we did with Matt a while back about like how like we used to steal cable growing up. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> like it would just like shoot through porn. We'd be like watching like a nice G rated movie and it'd be like people fucking. And then my parents would be like, ah, turn it off. <laughs> And then you're like, keep it on. I guess that was my exposure to sex. But I, it was like traumatic. It wasn't like a keep it on. I was like, what is happening? I just want to get back <laughs> to Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. What is he doing to her, daddy? Make it stop. Yes, exactly. I was like, please bring me back to the PG movie. Thanks. You know what? That's a good point. As a child, porn must be the scariest thing. Oh, it's horrifying. I would rather watch a horror movie than porn. <laughs> As a child. I'm not a porn person now. I know you like porn. No, I I'm, love porn. I'm, I know you do. I've never been someone that's into it, like, doesn't do anything for me. Like, nothing. Mm. It's just so entertaining for me. It doesn't have to turn me on. I like yeah. to look at the set design. I like to see what they're wearing. I like to see how shaven they are. Oh it's like God. taking a poll of how porn stars like to, like to fuck, and they're all very different. Yep, that I guess that is why you really wanted Lou on my cleaner. I did. So yes. throw back to that episode if you missed it. That's a that's an epic one. Well, remind people who that is. Oh yes, so my house cleaner Lou. He was a former gay porn star. Like he was like a big a porn big star. Big porn star. Like literally and figuratively, but like a big porn star that like he was on like covers of magazines this was like in the golden days when it was like you were a celebrity if you were a porn star this wasn't just like amateur hour put something on the internet lucas i looked up his penis it's huge (laughs) i can verify i feel like that's kind of a prerequisite if you're in the industry right like they're not gonna be like yeah i mean it's not gonna be a micro penis but also we i met him in person we had him on an episode he came to my apartment to to record and i was not expecting how big uh, he was he was willing to show too he didn't show us in person he was willing yeah to. i was like what was happening while i was in the bathroom like <laughs> i, I feel like, like he would have pulled it out if i asked a hundred percent a hundred percent probably not for me because i'm a client but for you <laughs> For me, I'm not a paying customer. <laughs> oh, Although yeah. he does, he did clean UA's ex boyfriend's place too. So. For years, for years, and he'd give me all the tea. Just kidding. <laughs> he would give Julie all the tea, and then Julie give would me give the me tea the tea. tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, there wasn't that much tea, but no, yeah, there wasn't. There wasn't, unfortunately. <laughs> Well, well, speaking okay, of tea, well. speaking of tea, should we get into our question of the day, of the week, of whatever we're calling it here, the nude segment? Our nude segment, our dating advice segment. This this question is very much related to what we've been talking about. And the question is, 
How do you know when you're getting too comfortable being single? And we've heard this from multiple listeners uh, from our community as well, who are so good at master dating, who are going through personal development, who love that me time. And then you get to a point where you think, Am I just happier being alone? Am I mm-hmm. too comfortable? Am I no longer am I no longer making space for someone else? So when do you think you're too comfortable being single? Uh, so that I feel like is a really hard question actually for me to answer because I'm like in the thick of this. Mm-hmm. Like it's actually funny. I was looking back on the dates. We recorded this with John, the John Kim, the day before. I went on my first date with my boyfriend. Oh, crazy. (laughs) So it was like right in the thick of it. I know like we've, it's taken a little time to get out just because we wanted to save it for the finale. And, but I think this whole like thing about, you'll like hear in the episode, it's kind of like real time processing of like being single and being okay with it. And now like being in a totally different state, like two months later. So like things could change at a moment's notice, but maybe, maybe you go first. Because like I need to think, I need to give a little thought to like what I'm going to answer this. <laughs> so I think being too comfortable being single, I've definitely been there where I was so happy being alone that the thought of having someone else in my life seemed like a burden or mm. seemed like a nuisance or seemed like it would take away from my life. And I thought that was a red flag was when you no longer can make space for someone else because you can you only want to make space for your yourself. And I don't think there it's not like oh once you get to that point there's no going back. Of course there's going back, but that's when I think I hit that point of all right, maybe now it's time to get myself back out there and start dating again or to even get excited about the idea mm-hmm. of dating. I have a I have a great friend, um an awesome friend named Sonica who loves you Julie because she says she you and <laughs> her are so si- similar in your romantic ways. And she and I had dinner the other day and she said I really love being single and dating. And th- those were the things that she mm. said, you know, it's two they're they're part of the same family, single and dating. Mm-hmm. She loved that she can go meet different people and get to know them and explore and learn. And But she also was so happy being not in a relationship either. Mm-hmm. So I thought she was in a really good spot. She was just like, I like dating. Dating still excites me. It's still fun. I think when you when you don't think of dating as fun and you think of it as a burden, that's when you got to step back and think, okay, I got to like reset my mindset here. I personally think the best time to meet someone is when you're comfortable being single. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like that's when you have your sense of self that's been baked, which is what we're going to talk all about in this episode. But I think that is the perfect time to let someone into your life. And I think it can sound daunting because you're like, everything's going well. Like, why do I need to switch it up? But I don't know, at least from my experience, I think if when you meet the right person, you're and you you are in the place like you just said like that you're still open to meeting people it's not like you're you know like totally closed off if you meet the right person you're gonna want to naturally make time for them like I definitely Mm -hmm. saw that happen with myself like I before I met my current partner like I was like I'm totally fine if this ends up being my life like I have enough people in my life that care and love me even if it's not a romantic partner but when I met that romantic partner you I wanted to make space for them because I really just liked to be with them. And I think that happens. And I I, I like what you said of what is, where is your headspace in this situation? Is it that you 
don't want to be with someone because you've gotten jaded and you've given up on people that you're trying to date? Or is it that you're just, you know, doing self-love and getting to know yourself and finding love in all other places? Because I think those two mindsets are very, very different. Absolutely. You don't want to you don't want to do anything out of spite. And you don't want to do anything because of how the past has jaded you. So I think that's what the self-love comes in Mm -hmm. is that it helps you heal from those past dating traumas and situations that jaded you. But being single is you can I, I feel like being single and being in relationship, all of it is a transitional period. We're mm-hmm. always in a transitional period. So even right. when you're single, that's not like the how you're going to be forever. And when you're in relationship, a lot of times that's not how you're going to be forever either. So just constantly think, be open to the change and be open to know that here's my status today, but that could yeah. all change in the future. And I'm open to that change. I think that's a really good point. Like, if you had talked to me like a couple months ago, I would have been like, I can't even imagine sharing a bed with someone at this state because I've been mm. like so used to being on my like, you know, not doing that for a while. And now I actually like find it easier to be asleep with someone there, which is like a total 180. And I think some of it is the fact that, you know, like what you just said, it's just embracing that life is always in a constant state of flux. What is good for you today might change totally. And if it's not changing for the better, that's when you can reevaluate, like, is this the right place for me? Like, if you found that, let's say you met someone and you were happier before being single, maybe that means that that's not the right person or you actually do prefer to be single. And I think you can like kind of double click on that and be like, okay, what does this mean? But if you, you know, are now in a relationship and you're happier, that doesn't mean that like you weren't happy before. It's just a different type of happy. Yes. And it shows how adaptable we are. Don't think that your state today is going to stay the same. They show that within... 48 hours of entering a country, you can pick up the accent. 48 hours. So within 48 hours of having someone in your life, you can probably pick up on habits and then morph into a third person with, you know, with that person. So just know that you are constantly absorbing the environment around you. And being single is just one of those temporary states. Yeah, I think it's like another thing, too, is sometimes people maybe on the flip side complain about being single, right? Like, I hate Mm -hmm. being single. And I the way I look at it is like, there's good and bad of being in a relationship and being single in all stages of life. Like I was talking to a friend of mine with kids and she's like, look, like there's times that I want to rip my hair Mm -hmm. out. And then there's other times that I'm like, I'm so lucky to have this amazing family. And I think that's really how all of it is like being single. Like if you look at it, you're like, I have the ultimate freedom. I can do what I want. I can make more time for like my friends and family and other people that aren't necessarily a romantic partner. I have more me time, downtime, all the stuff. But then when you're in a relationship, there's the positive of like having that person, that partner that you can do things with, you're confident, like all that stuff. So I think there's pros and cons to every stage. And I personally would rather fixate on the pros of each stage than be like Mm. dwelling in the cons. Because like, while you are single, you might as well enjoy the stuff that might not be as readily available. Like you might not have like an hour to go watch some random ass TV show when you have children. Like it just might not be the same thing. So it's like you might as well enjoy that in that stage of life and know that it might not be forever. It probably won't be forever. Yeah, very 
very well said. Take advantage of your time right now because right. You, it might not you might not have that time back for a while. Yeah, single on purpose. Love it. <laughs> That's the whole name of the game that we're going on. Let's do a quick rundown of announcements. I think what we've got this week is we have a special Pride live stream that our moderator Ryan and his boyfriend plus special guests from the community will be leading in the Facebook Love in the Time of Corona. If you are listening to this Wednesday, it is tonight at 5.30 p.m. PST, 8.30 p.m. EST. And, you know, definitely join this. I'm super excited to join. They're going to kind of go through like a little bit of the history of Pride Mm -hmm. and then also hear a personal experience experiences from members of the community. Again, that's June 23rd. So look at your calendar because it may be the day that you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Get on <laughs> it now. call out. Yes. And then the other announcement is follow us on Instagram. We are, that's probably like our most engaged social channel outside of the Facebook group. Um, we've been growing a lot. So thank you all for following us. Love to see the followers come in. Also leave a review. We are so close to yes. 500 reviews. Some of the ones that have come in lately have warmed my heart and you know there's other ones that are like please get to the point and skip the intro but you know (laughs) (laughs) forward button all right yep there's a forward button but also like you know ever we hope you leave us a good review that's really there's a lot of time and energy that goes into podcasts i personally feel like if i listen to a podcast and it's not my cup of tea i don't feel the need to review it i just move on but hopefully if you've made it this far you're down with it because we hear the people that just love this podcast love the intros like people have said it's like you're like in the room with us it's like feels like we're just all hanging out and having fun so we are still uh very much all for the intros Again, you can always hit the forward button. It starts around 20 to 30 minutes in. You know it by now. So we've also heard from listeners that they listen to the intro the day it comes out. And then they go back and listen to the whole episode when they can digest it more. So you got to find what works for you. Any, any listening pattern is good with us. But we do give away a million dollars in the intros. So it is good to listen. <laughs> We're like talking to the wrong people because they're the ones that listen every week that are here right this minute. They're like, I've never heard that come up. <laughs> it's an Easter egg. You have got to find it. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yes, please help us out with the reviews. Honestly, the ratings of the reviews are everything in this world. And this is a free podcast. So if you want to give back to us, that is our one minor request is to just drop us a rating. It takes 0.5 seconds if you just leave the five stars. And it helps us grow and it helps us find even better guests, which is what we love to do is bring you the best content we can possibly give you. But to have access to these guests, we got to have those reviews. Right. Like John Kim, John Kim today. I mean, part of why he was able to do this is that he saw it was a legit podcast, right? So yeah, this is it directly impacts who we get on this podcast. So we're almost to John. Let's do a quick message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We at Datable are huge fans of therapy and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. Me, for example, I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. It was so quick. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything 
everything from dating trauma, stress, anxiety, trauma with a big T, uh, depression, grief, you name it. They have someone who's an expert in that. We at Dateable wish for all of you to live a happy, healthy life. And that's why as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash dateable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp spelled H-E-L-P dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. This episode is sponsored by Pros. I used to think that having soft and healthy hair took way too much maintenance, so I sort of gave up, especially when my hair became super frizzy and wavy in my late 20s. Well, then Pros came to the rescue with personalized hair care products. First, you take an in-depth hair quiz with interesting questions around where you live, your diet, and your lifestyle. And I was surprised that they even factored in the LA pollution to my personalized formula. With over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros can give you a unique blend of ingredients that caters to your every strand and follicle. Since using my personalized pre-shampoo mask, shampoo, and conditioner, I've noticed such a freaking difference. My hair feels softer and healthier. Pros is a healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash dateable. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. So should we get to the angry therapist himself, John Kim? Oh, he's so angry. He's riled up. He's ready to go. Let's do it. When we think about a therapist, sometimes we equate that to someone who is very calm and soothing and listens and is compassionate. And I love that our guest for this episode has branded himself as the angry therapist. His name is John Kim. He's 48 years old. He's lived in California his whole life, originally from Korea, and he's a in a monogamous relationship right now. So in his own words, he says he's a therapist who went rogue and humanized himself after a divorce. And he started a popular blog called The Angry Therapist. He's a best-selling author of two books. His first is called I Used to Be a Miserable Fuck, An Every Man's Guide to a Meaningful Life. And his most recent single on purpose, Find Yourself First. Ugh, a miserable fuck. You got us at that. It's just those two words alone. We were like sold. So let's start with what does it mean to brand yourself as I'm a therapist who went rogue? What what happened after your divorce? Oh, man. Well, let me just first say that um, you guys are so pro. This is amazing. Like uh, this platform. <laughs> I just um, I, I'm in Lake Arrowhead. I, I literally five minutes ago got off my motorcycle, sat down. I had to unbutton my pants because I'm 48. And I'm bloated. Um, and there's it, it's a, like my, my podcast is literally just like almost talking to my phone in a garage. And so this feels v- very I love in studio. I'm not, we- so. I'm not wearing pants. No pants. Oh, there you go. That's, I'm that's in a closet with no pants. Yeah. So we just have the it. facade that we're professional. And it's your birthday today, right, Chad? Is it really? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, before tomorrow. You. Happy yeah. early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so I went I went rogue, meaning um, I tried to tuck my shirt in. I worked in um, high-end treatment centers. I uh, My dream was to become a therapist with the uh, nondescript office and a latte in my hand and those you know, the silver balls mm-hmm. and all that. It wasn't honest to me. I felt like uh, Clark Kent pushing a mail cart, you know? And so my tongue 
Tumblr blog, I started to help people in kind of unconventional ways. I, I met them at the park. Um, I did a lot of things you weren't supposed to do. So I, I did not sleep with my clients, but I met, met them at the park, <laughs> met them at the gym, um, like on walks, you know, stuff like that. And I realized that as I was doing that, that felt more honest. It felt more real. And I just followed that. And uh, that's that's what I mean by going rogue, right? Like I've never had an office. So I uh, call myself a coach because with coaching, there's no board. And then I start to, to work in ways that were kind of um, very jeans t-shirt, uh, just roll up at the coffee shop on my Harley. I thought <laughs> if we're going to talk about life, let's do life while we're talking. So that's what I've been doing the last oh, yeah. 10 years. Got yeah. it. And first of all, I just want to point out, I just loved your book so much. Like it was such a great read. Oh, I feel like got so much out of it. And we're really excited about this topic in general, like, you know, single on purpose. We talk about this mm-hmm. all the time. And I think UA and I, when we first started this podcast, we were all like, every episode is going to be about dates, two people in a relationship. And now we've totally changed our tune. And we have had a lot of times where people are like, no, I'm doing, you know, the self-love. I'm doing the self-care. I'm dating myself. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to just kind of go back to your divorce and like tell us mm-hmm. like where you were at that stage and then kind of like how did you come out of that and get to this place that you're like I need to be single on purpose yeah so it, it was um you know it wasn't a weekend it took a long time um <laughs> the divorce kind of kind of cut me at the knees I was a uh, uh just brand new into grad school becoming a therapist um so I left you know uh just with nothing no no money I left with my pillow and I tell people it was a temperpedic pillow but she got to bed and uh, I had to start, I had to start all over, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, went through a stretch of like four years of quote unquote being single on purpose. And so it doesn't mean to be single forever, right? It means Mm -hmm. to um, start building a relationship with yourself instead of trying to get into something as fast as you can, right? Most people when they're single, they are desperately swiping and trying to find love again. And I think when you're single, like the the soil is the richest because you will find someone. And when you do, it's so much harder to, you know, work on yourself because now you're uh, doing life with someone else. How long were you married for? Uh, about five years. I uh, got married at 29 and about 35 is when I started my, my rebirth. Got it. And then with, with a divorce, I'm guessing that's part of the rebirth, but a lot of people get divorced and they don't don't go through a, a rebirth or think about what it's mm. like to be single on purpose. So was there anything else that instigated this rebirth? You know, I think it was uh, me going back to grad school, changing careers, uh, because uh, I was a, a struggling screenwriter in LA for a long time. I think it was a combination of that expiring, me wanting to become a therapist, uh, getting a divorce, like uh, my mm. my whole life etch a sketch was shaken, you know, so it was like mm-hmm. just kind of starting all over. For me, that's what it was. It was just a having a brand new life. Got it. And like you were saying, a lot of people will just like dive into that next relationship instead of taking that time. What kind of make you, what kind of made you take a second beat and not just jump into a relationship? Um, No one wanted to be with me. I I wanted to jump into another relationship. Um, (laughs) That's how you were single on purpose. Very honest answer. Yeah. The the book should be called Single, uh, Not by Choice. Um, <laughs> and then you became on purpose over the evolution. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I went out and I started to date people, um, you know, and I I did that. And I actually was looking for a relationship. Luckily, I didn't get into one. And I got really busy into uh, connecting with myself. So at that time, uh, I found CrossFit. So that was mm-hmm. a big part of connecting to my bar, my body, my... my um, just movement, all of that. And then I um, I bought a motorcycle and that connected me to, you know, that part of me, the 14-year-old in the 80s um, 
putting around on this 50cc scooter and feeling like alive, you know. And then when I got uh, became an adult, um, promised my uh, wife at the time I went by motorcycle, uh, had the old school Korean parents who said they would disown me if I bought a motorcycle. So... <laughs> Um, me buying a motorcycle was kind of uh, me connecting back to myself. Very symbolic. Yeah, yeah. symbolic. Um, got some tattoos. Like, you know, I went on my, I, you know, some, someone argued mm-hmm. that it was a, uh, a midlife crisis. You know, this is when you go out and buy the Corvette <laughs> and all that. But for me, it, it wasn't that. It, was, um, it wasn't me running away from myself. It was more of me running toward for the first time in my life. That's it's so interesting because my boyfriend's the same thing. He, he got a divorce <laughs> and he got a sleeve of tattoos mm. and he went on a two-month trip to Europe because it wasn't so much. A lot of people said you're having a midlife crisis. He said, no, I'm just re defining and refining my identity because mm. I had lost it during the marriage. Mm. So it's a great way. I Who cares what the stereotypes, right? Uh, like everybody mm-hmm. has their own way of doing this rebirth phase. You know what's interesting yeah. though? I was like recently on a date with someone that was like coming right out of, you know, an engagement that didn't work out. And they definitely were in that phase that they were just trying to fill the void and find someone new. And I actually reached out to them after and I'm like, I think you need to date yourself for a little. Like I said that to mm-hmm. them. I'm like, I don't know if this is solicited advice or not, but this is like feedback. And what I guess for you, like, was that click, though? Like, I get, like, people not wanting to date you, but, like, when did you take that step back and you're like, okay, this isn't working to keep going on dates that aren't working. I need to, you know, find myself more. Yeah, I kind of um, got curious about who I was and what I would bring to the table in my next relationship. And I, and I told myself, if I can't answer those questions, um, then I need to be alone because it's the answers to those questions that's going to make your love experience different, you know? you're 50% of any relationship. So if I uh, just started swiping, or at that time, there weren't, all, there, maybe Craigslist, <laughs> casual encounters, I don't know. RIP Craigslist. Right. <laughs> um, if I just got into something really fast, I knew that there would be a high chance that the unhealthy patterns would just repeat itself, you know. And so I actually said to myself, okay, I have a chance to give myself a new love experience. And I know that um, what I can do is, you know, uh, change my patterns and my definitions and and who I am from the inside out. So um, when I do find someone that I want to invest in, I want to be a different John Kim. What I really want to get to is we want to follow you on this journey of transformation. Mm -hmm. So when you made this conscious decision to be single on purpose, what was step number one? Oh, man. Um, I don't know if there was a defining step. I think uh, maybe the first step was acceptance. You know, I think a lot of people um, after the expiration, I started calling my, uh, and I still do today, breakups, expirations. Uh, there's more acceptance in that. And also breakups sound so traumatic, right? Like the plane yeah. went down, something's broken. And so um, when I see a relationship or a marriage as an expiration, um, I feel like, oh, it wasn't meant to go any further. But I think the first step is acceptance, you know, instead of trying to do a round two or round three or desperately try to, you know, find find someone else or lose yourself in someone else, accept this is where I'm at you know this is uh, who I am and like starting with truth now now let's go from here 
So one of the things that actually comes up in our listener community a lot is we have what we call a master date, which is basically like mm. dating yourself. Right, right. Nice and yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that comes up a lot, though, is going on actual dates on your own, you know, and being in your own mm. company. But I feel like you kind of took it like a step deeper. And that actually was what I thought about when I was reading the book was that you talk about, you know, you're loving your body, like, you know, like empowering powering your brain, like really feeling what you need to feel and not just, you know, going to a dinner by yourself, but really Mm -hmm. like getting into your emotions. Can you kind of like elaborate a little more on that process? Yeah, um, I've been a logical creature most of my life. um, And so I wanted to know what it felt like to actually um, drop into my body. You know, I didn't allow myself um, to feel I never and I don't know how much of this is being Korean and, and just not having a lot of emotional milk growing up. But Mm-hmm. Um, I I was uh, 35 and I was like, I need to actually drop into my body and start to feel things, you know. And so um, I spent a lot of time by myself in coffee shops writing. Um, I took myself out to dinners. I talk a lot about uh, liking yourself, which is more, I think, more important than loving yourself. Mm. Um, and I say I say that because um, you know self love is thrown around a lot, and I think that we love people that we don't really like, like you know, like family members and stuff, right? We choose to love someone, <laughs> and right. um, liking is earned. And so I could say I love myself, but to me that's kind of surfacey. What I thought was deeper was, do I like myself? And if I don't like myself, um, what do I need to do to get me on the path of liking myself? So that required a lot of time. Because when you, when you like, how do you like someone? You got to first get to know the person, right? So I was like, all right, well, I need to get to know me. And so in order to get to know me, I spent a lot of time with me. Just things like going to the beach, running, um, reading, writing, you know, um, lots of things that, that um, brought solitude. That's really resonates with me because Julie knows too. I've had this uh, last couple years, I've just come to this realization that I'm just not connected to my emotions. I think it's part of my mm. Asian upbringing. I think sure. I'm very, mm. our culture is very good at regurgitating. So all the Instagram posts about self-care, self-love, I can't regurgitate that shit mm-hmm. 24-7. <laughs> but do I truly connect to those words? I realized in the last few years, I didn't. So I had to take myself on this journey. For me, it was more drugs that helped me get there. Mm -hmm. But for you, it sounds like it's it's being alone and doing these activities on your own and writing. Were were there any other sort of skills or tools that you were using during this time to just when you say drop into your body, what does that what does that mean? And what does it feel like? Um, to take a breath and instead of thinking logically, which is kind of surfacey, um, asking yourself, um, how does this make you feel? You're writing a blog post or you're, um, you know, hanging out with someone or on a date or I mean, anything like what is your body telling you? You know, I, I never asked myself those questions before. So that was all like new, you know, and, and, and also it wasn't easy, right? It was because uh, it requires rewiring. It requires kind of swimming up river, reconditioning yourself. It's not something that, that I was used to either. Yeah, I thought the stuff you were talking about with just loving your body really resonated mm-hmm. with me because I think a mm-hmm. lot of times, like especially if we're in a bad place, we'll either sure. overeat or undereat or not exercise or exercise too much. Yeah. It's usually like that stuff actually is a deeper root rooted thing going on for you. I, I mean, I think it starts with the choice um, of loving your body, but I think that's a journey, you know, and some days it's it's hard to uh, love your body. Some days it's, it's easier. I started with, because I found CrossFit was new at the time, and I started with uh, classes 
community, trying to find flow states that reminded me of the 80s when I was uh, spinning on my head and breakdancing. So again, mm-hmm. it was this idea of um, reuniting with a part of myself that I had locked away. So it wasn't about abs and trying to, mm. I mean, of course, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to look better naked? I get that. <laughs> but the, the the true motivation and the, the reason I went all the time was because I was connecting to that that uh, that 12-year-old. And I was like the happiest. And so CrossFit was kind of my way of tapping into that kid again you know there's a I, I, I tell people that sometimes self-betterment is more about a reunion than anything else and that was what dating myself looked like is uh connecting back to that that uh, the younger years the wonder years you know interesting i want to I really emphasize that too because i think when you develop these um, interests and hobbies when you are alone then you're able to carry them into the next relationship and you, yeah you take that identity with you versus trying to morph right. yourself into someone else's identity. And it's great to have these hobbies, but also knowing that you can reconnect with your childhood self when these moments turn on, when you go to CrossFit, you're like, yes, I'm connecting again to myself. And this is about nothing else but me. I think we forget to give ourselves that chance to do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you know, when you ask me, what, what, is it, what does that even mean to drop into your body? Like, how do you even do that? So as kids... We are very in our bodies, you know, we're, we're not in our heads a lot. We're very present, right? We're not thinking mm-hmm. about taxes and if someone's going to call you back and, you know, the corner <laughs> office. We're eating ants and we want to know what things feel like. So we're very in our, we're very mindful, right? Mm-hmm. We're very um, um, experiential. And so if you are pulling from that part of you, then by default, you are dropping into your body, right? So when I was uh, crossfitting and I was doing, you know, handstand push-ups and all the gymnastic movements, I was connecting to my body because the 12-year-old that was spinning on his head was very present. So I was very present in um, the activities of, of those workouts. And I thought, okay, this is what it feels like, at least for me, this is what it looks like to drop into my body, right? For other people, it might be meditation, it might be yoga. I mean, it does, you know, it depends on on, on what your definition is. But for me, it was like, I was the most mindful and present when I was a kid. I wasn't in my head and, you know, living in time machines. Okay, so let's tap into that part of you. What would that look like, you know? And so that's what I started to do as an adult, be a kid again, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the body part is so many layers to it, because I totally yeah, like yeah. love what you just said with that. But I think there is also a confidence that when you feel good about your body, and that doesn't need to mean that you lost a lot of weight. Like we sure. had a past guest that said that she just looks at like, you know, her scars or her dimples and like any perceived flaw and like finds love in it. But it starts right. to bring that acceptance and, you know, confidence, essentially, that let's be honest, a lot of times after a break, up, you lose a lot of confidence because you're feeling like, you know, unworthy and down. What other ways can people like start to accept their bodies more? And like, how do you think that plays into like, you know, eventually dating again and being in a relationship? Yeah, um, it's funny when you said um, confidence, I thought acceptance, connection, and confidence, like I think they kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, roll uh, evolve into that process. I think it's different for everyone, you know. I think it depends on your ex- uh, previous experience with um, with food, with body image, mm-hmm. you know. I, I definitely, I think that when it comes to stuff like that, women have it 10 times harder just because of the world we live in. You know, I, mm-hmm. I used to work in uh, um, eating disorder clinics and that's a whole nother, another thing, you know. Right. Um, and advertising and, and all, all of that. And, you know, the uh, society's injection of the ticking clock and what beauty looks like. So I, the word that comes to my mind is redefined. 
redefining, mm-hmm. uh, redefining what sexy looks like, feels like, redefining what attractive looks like, redefining you know what what fitness looks like, what all of that stuff. So I think when you're single, it's all about redefining. You know, instead of tracing old blueprints, coming up with new definitions. And part of that redefinition, and I just want to clarify this: you don't believe that redefining your your single journey is about being alone. You you should still seek out friends and a support oh, system. Yeah. So maybe we can talk about that. That you know, let's just get rid of the myth that this single on purpose doesn't mean that you're alone. Yeah. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that you're alone. Um, I think it means the actual opposite. I tell my clients, out of your head, out of your house, and uh, you're not meant to do this alone. I think what I think doing it alone because there's solitude when you want to be alone, but there's also like isolation, and um, I think isolation can be the most dangerous thing to do. Right. Yes. So surrounding yourself with community. And especially now, fitness communities, yoga communities, uh, whatever you're passionate about, music class, salsa dancing, anything that has something that you like, that you're passionate about, that also has a plug and play community. Because uh, we used to have this as kids, right? In our structure mm-hmm. of recess and all that. And then when we grow up, all that's gone. And it's really hard to make friends as adults. So killing two birds by taking classes or any kind of activity that has some kind of community. Um, I, I found that really helpful. Yeah, doing life with other people. Being, being of service, you know, helping other people because then it's not about you and you're not in the trenches dwelling on your problems and what's wrong with you and why you can't find someone. When you are actually sharing your gifts and being of service and helping other people, you're very, you're living more through me life instead of a, a to me life or any kind of victim mode. Hmm. I am learning so much from this. This has just been an incredible conversation. Let's take a really quick break to hear from a couple of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Z-Man Games, an array of fun games for adults, one of which is called Love Letter. Now, in this card game, your goal is to win the heart of the noble princess who is looking for an ideal partner and confidant to help with her royal duties when she one day assumes the throne. Your goal is to enlist the characters in the castle to deliver your love letter while keeping other players' letters away. It's trickier than it sounds. Powerful cards lead to early gains but make you a target and rely on weaker cards for too long and your letter may be tossed in the fire. I find it to be a fun and nice 20-minute mental break during the day. This two to six player card game fits in your pocket so you can take it with you anywhere. Love Letter is appropriate for ages 10 and up and is available for $11.99 through Z-Man Games. You can find it at Target, your local game store, or directly through Z-Man's web store. Summer is finally here and we've been cooped up for so long. I feel like I'm taking every chance I can to be outside and exploring. So luckily, we found clamber shorts from Title IX. They're made out of super stretchy, abrasion-resistant fabric. They're basically indestructible. And thanks to a wide, comfy waistband and tons of pockets, we love pockets, I can wear them all day long no matter what I get into. So I wore mine the other day going from hiking to a park picnic, to the beach, and then to like an afternoon of just lounging around on my balcony. They're so comfy and versatile that I didn't have to change. I mean, they're basically badass shorts. We love that Title IX was born in the Bay Area, just like our show. And get this, they've been around for over 30 years, so they definitely know what they're doing. With everything from innovative swim pieces to bottoms that actually fit, every product is designed for women seeking out their next adventure. Right now, Title IX is offering our listeners $10 off and free shipping on orders over $100 when you visit title9.com slash datable. Go to title9.com slash datable for $10 off and free shipping on your order of over $100. That's T-I-T-L-E-N-I-N-E.com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. 
We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I thought it was really interesting, too, that you were like, as a single person, the first thing you should be focused on is finding friends, not a new partner. Yeah. Can you kind of elaborate more on why you think that's the case? Well, a lot of times we'll find a new partner and then we won't want to make any friends. We end up being like, um, uh, I, I think I mentioned Tom Hanks talking to the volleyball. <laughs> like we end up being alone, even though we're with someone, we end up kind of being alone because we're not bringing a, a whole life to the table uh, our partner becomes our life. And this is when there's a lot of losing yourself, you know, in the mm-hmm. other person. Uh, and I think that uh, because of society and and, 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 and romantic comedies and, and romance novels and stuff, we think that's what love looks like is you find your one and then you don't need anyone else. It's just right. you and that person. All right. And it, I think it makes the relationship lopsided. I thought you're, you had it. In- this episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes. Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at viahemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. 
The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Interesting anecdote about a surprise party that you had when um, it was with your wife at the Mm, time. And you realized that like all the people around were her friends, not your friends. Yeah, yeah, man, that was, um, it was weird because uh, it was the first time someone threw me a surprise party and it was actually, it was my birthday. Um, We had a small uh, apartment to look like. I went, I opened the door and there were like 30 people crammed in like sardines, which made me feel like I was loved. And then as mm-hmm. I was looking at each other, I was like, oh, it's her friend. That's her friend. That's her friend. That's her friend. <laughs> and I had this revelation by the end of the night, like, oh, none of those people are my friends. They're here because they're supporting her and her husband. Um, and yes, they're friendly with me, but they weren't like my friends, if that makes sense. And I actually ended up that night feeling very lonely, you yeah, know, and realizing I need to make some friends. Yeah, I think that's the worst feeling to have, to be surrounded by people, but still feeling lonely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do think yeah. a lot of people listening to this episode have had that feeling. And they would probably also sure. ask you, John, how do I combat that loneliness? How mm-hmm. do I get around this idea that I'm lonely right now, so I need things to distract me? me versus personal development, things that actually benefit me. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think when it comes to like personal development, um, it's not like a weekend seminar. It's it's more like um, designing a life a certain way, right? Because uh, you have to thread it into your life for it to be sustainable. You know, I mean, just like working out or a healthy diet. And so I think it's designing a life where you are engaging with people and, and some friends come, some friends go, but you are actively establishing new relationships. Uh, I mean, forever, you know, even when you um, find your, find a, a fall, fall into another relationship. So this is one of the things that I find really interesting that I'd love your thoughts on, because a lot of people have this question. I've actually experienced this too. Like currently I'm single, but I feel very like not lonely at all. Even amidst a pandemic I feel like I have tons of community tons of friends and I think that actually has made me in a way you know a little pickier about who I date which I think actually is a good thing long term but then Mm -hmm. sometimes and I'm I'm projecting my own but I've heard uh, many of our listeners say the same is like what is that line though about you know staying open to like Mm -hmm. a partner because it's like I still do want a partner I'm okay on my own I'm happy on my own but like how do you like balance the two like what are your what's your take I think um you set the intention that you are ready for a partner or relationship and you want to build something amazing and different than the last time but I don't think that you want it so bad that it becomes lined with desperation and that becomes kind of your north star I think finding someone is the byproduct of you going out and building an amazing life, you know? Um, I, I always say, where are you going? And then who's going with you? Because if you flip the order, mm. you'll be going You'll be going by yourself. So half of my life, I, I had the order reversed. Half of my life, it was like, 
who's coming with me, and then I'll right. worry about where I'm going, right? And so I was mm. desperately trying to find my partner, my queen, my whoever that was, and that was the goal. Um, and then and, you know, you know, and then it was like, all right, and then and then where am I going, right? Um, mm. After my my divorce and rebirth, now it's like, where am I going? So I I know where mm. I'm going, or at least I know the direction I, I want to go. And then it's who's going with me. Mm. Um, that one, really that like one, that. that one involves a ride. That one involves. Um, uh, you having a sense of purpose that one involves also it's more attractive when you <laughs> when you find someone right. going somewhere absolutely right? yeah more independence it allows you to pick better too because you're not coming from a place of desperation that you need right. to fill your friday night right like you're like oh i'm totally fine hanging out in my own company on a friday night if need be or with my friends like and then you you yeah. have like a little higher standards because of that but For i guess sure. like the i love this like where am i going who Who's coming with me but like the yeah. only thing i would challenge with that is like how does that go from like an i statement to a we statement considering like a partnership is a partnership at the end of the day yeah absolutely and i think that's why it's important to start asking yourself that before you're partnered because you're right when you when you do find someone there is compromise and, and people change and, and also your partner's decisions are going to affect yours and you know you, you might be kind of uh, sidetracked or whatever it's all part of it but there's a difference between compromise and compromise of self Right. So every relationship requires compromise, no matter what, but not compromising of self. Right. And so if you're going into a relationship, you know, I'll do anything for this person and not having much of a life, there's a higher Mm -hmm. chance you're going to compromise yourself. If you go into a relationship, having a pretty good foundation, having structure, having hobbies, having things, having friends, you know, and having, you know, a true north, then there's going to be a lot less compromise. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's going to be a lot less less compromise of self. There will be compromise, of course, but not not, not always going to be compromise. And I want to relate this back to your personal journey because you went on this Mm -hmm. four-year single on purpose journey. How did you transition out of it? And I guess another question is, how do you know when you're ready to transition out of it? (laughs) I don't think you ever know. You know, I don't think it's like you wake up and it's like a light switch or, you know, someone throws you a party, you're officially ready to. (laughs) Uh, That that would be amazing, you know. Um, (laughs) You're ready. You know what I I thought? (laughs) I, I think it would be amazing if humans actually kind of change colors like like smurfs where or not not smurfs like like where it's like as you do more work on yourself you actually literally change the color and so you're emotionally available yeah yeah and maybe that color is like orange or something i don't know red and then when you see people that are like blue you know they've done no work on themselves right and and what that would do is that would get all the blue people to be like i don't want to be blue anymore because no one wants to be with me so i'm gonna start work it'll force people and suddenly like there will be more and more orange people and the world will be healthier and better and then we'll be racist against all the blue people (laughs) how do we do this how do we make this happen this would make dating so much easier if we knew their color code <laughs> color code yeah based on based, based on how, yeah how much work they've done that'd be amazing um i forgot what you asked me but i, I just um, <laughs> how do you know you, you were saying that you really don't know when you're ready to transition out but mm. in your own experience yeah how were you able to transition out um because i found love because what happens is uh one day you meet someone and you get excited or and maybe it's a slow burn and um, suddenly you guys are, you know, um, doing nothing together and going out to eat and now you're in a relationship. And I think it just happens, you know, and so I don't think mm-hmm. it's like, OK, I'm officially ready. I'm, it's, I don't I don't think it, it's um, 
so strategized because that's not how right. life works. And then I also learned that, you know, you meet people when you least expect it, you know, almost when you're not even looking. It's like Always. someone just kind of falls from the sky, you know, and so especially with the Internet. Right. And so I, I don't think it's like, OK, now I'm ready. Now I'm going <laughs> to I just like, you know what? Live your life. Accept things radically, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, if you meet someone, great. And, and if you don't continue to be you and work on you and pedal your bike. I mean, I, I don't think it's easy. I, I mean, I've been very lonely. I mean, I've had, you know, days of, oh, God, am I going to ever find someone again? You know, I've had mm-hmm. those like everyone else, right? And I think that's the hardest part of being single um, is that having faith. Yeah. Um, but but those are feelings that come and go. Um, just because you feel loneliness doesn't mean that you are, you know, lonely or defective. And I, I think the internalization of loneliness is where people start getting depressed and, and really, you know, fall into that mm-hmm. slippery well. Totally. I think we feel like if we're single that it's a status we need to get out of because of yeah. society, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. And we feel like we need to do work. Like if you, you know, you look for a job, you would never just sit idle and be like, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait for the job to come to me. Like you put out your resume, you go on LinkedIn, you do all the things. So people are just like frantically swiping, feeling like they're doing something, but then sometimes get in this endless loop because they haven't done like the deeper self-work. Like what's your like advice to those people that are feeling like I need to do something to move it forward. And they're like, I don't have that faith yet right now. Well, I, you know, one, one thing I did is I I told myself, I'm not going to say no to anything social. So you you Mm. do have to get out there. Um, You can't just say, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch and and cross my fingers. (laughs) Right. Just hope, you know, like, you have to be active, you know, you got to talk to people, you have to put it. And so when I say set the intention, back it with action, put it out there. So uh, I'm an introvert uh, at the end of the day. And I told myself anything I get invited to anything where there's like something happening in the community, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go even if I don't feel like it. And a lot Mm. of the the best experiences come from, you know, when you weren't expecting something to be fun. So a party, a get together. And I think it's kind of like your own treatment because it takes you out of your comfort zone. And again, you're, you're living your life and you're doing things and not allowing singlehood to, you know, keep you in your bedroom just, you know, watching uh, Netflix and eating chips. <laughs> and you yeah, talk about... Great. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But you were, I mean, it, you were talking about too in the book that there's like celibacy, right? It's not always single equal celibacy. Yeah. And sometimes just getting out there and having casual sex could actually like be exactly what you need, like to build up your confidence sexually. Like I remember yeah. I definitely went through that period. It did build up a confidence that now you can take on later. What's your take of like, you know, when to know that that's helping you versus it also can hurt you too if you're just not in a good place. Right. Absolutely. I think I think you have to be really honest with yourself. Are you using those experiences um, to numb, to hide, uh, to seek approval, validation, uh, to feel loved or or, you know, valuable or are you using those experiences in an empowering way uh, because they're just new experiences that you you want to do? You know, the chapter I think you're talking about, uh, which was kind of controversial. There's a chapter in my book <laughs> called now, "Now Go Fuck Somebody," and the reason <laughs> that it, that's a little aggressive, it's because it was because I wanted to kind of uh, combat uh, slut shaming. You know, there's nothing wrong with having sexual experiences if you're uh, okay with it and that's what you want to do and you shouldn't bash yourself or think that you are defective or dirty or whatever it is because 
you know, because you're, you're a sexual being. So how do you know if it's coming from a place of validation versus empowerment? And this could go for not just sex, but like, you know, date endless dating and all this stuff. Like, how can you make that distinction? Yeah, I think going back to um, how we started dropping into um, your body, asking yourself how that experience made you feel, you know, so after the person leaves sitting there for a second, and saying, how did that feel? Did I like it? Was it empowering? Or did I do it for the wrong reasons? You know, um, just getting really honest with yourself. And you may not even know. So I think it's a practice where you're like, oh, you know what? I like that. That was different. That was new. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. But I did, I did like that. And that that's cool. You could, that could be that. Or it's like, I didn't like that. I don't like how it felt. I don't like the residue. I don't you know, like how I feel right now. And then that's information. And instead of internalizing it, saying, okay, that was learning. Mm. Are there any mistakes or red flags that people should watch out for when they're in this state when they're of single? single on purpose? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, dating apps can be dangerous. You know, we've become baseball cards. Mm-hmm. I remember there's a stretch of being single and I would like swipe on someone that looked like Drew Barrymore and then Drew Carey would show up. There's a lot of false advertising. <laughs> um, there's ghosting. There's, you know, dick pics. There's all these things that um, disconnects us with ourselves, right? Uh, lots of people hiding behind their phones. So I mean, I, I think that it's a great tool, but you've got to use it with a small spoon. Meaning, you know, when you go get ice cream and they give you the little red taster spoon? <laughs> yeah. I'm about to just walk away. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think it. you, I think you, no, it's not that you don't buy it. I think you, um, you, you, you swipe when you feel good about yourself and that you know that it's mm. partly entertainment. You could handle rejection. Um, right. you don't swipe when you're desperately looking for love and you're lonely because it's, it's may make you feel bad about yourself, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. I've definitely, we've said this before on our podcast. Like if you're not in a good state of mind, modern dating can be brutal. And sure. the last thing you want to do is like, you know, dig yourself deeper. So you yeah. kind of need to have a thick skin a lot with dating apps. And the only way to get there is to be like, have the sense of self and feel confident. Yeah. And, I, and it's funny because I think the less um, swipes or likes or whatever it is that you get, the more desperate you become to chase after them because since you're not getting them, you're thinking that, mm-hmm. that you are not lovable or attractive. And so now you're more hungry for them, which I think flips the magnets, you know, t- turns people away from you and now you're lined with desperation instead of just being attractive. I want to address this trend that we see all the time in our community and it's this term dating sabbatical. I'm taking a dating sabbatical. (laughs) I've deleted all the apps. I'm not seeing anyone and people do it for a week to six months at a time. That's basically like the whole range. Yeah, it reminds me of it reminds me of yo-yo dieting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's exactly that. Guys, I'm going from nothing to like I'm going to intermittent fast, do keto and only eat egg whites for three months you're like that's okay good luck and then the wheels fall off and they're like so um i think you're setting yourself up for um like why the why the announcement you know like why not just (laughs) like okay if you if you want to take a break then just do less of it it doesn't have to be so extreme like you don't have to you have to delete shit because you're gonna download that back anyway (laughs) two weeks from now yeah i agree i'm always like just pull back how much you're doing it do it on a sunday night not every day i agree the extreme piece it's like so dramatic and yeah (laughs) moderation moderation you know so why do you think this period of single on purpose like how do you think it's helped your current relationship like why do you think it's been so Mm. instrumental for you um because at the end of the day uh that book is not just for single people it's for uh, anyone especially if you're in a relationship 
um, as a reminder uh, for you to connect to yourself first, uh, work on yourself first, look inward first. So when you're doing life with someone, there's less codependency, there's less enmeshment, and it's you know it's two individuals working on themselves, coming together to do life with each other, not at each other or around each other. That's always been my thing: is um, while you're single, lay the tracks, start the pattern, start the the the. Um, the habits now so when you get into a relationship you got that nice runway you know you, you're already moving in the right direction so many people that i've uh, helped and coached they're desperate to find love they find love and then they lose their friends they lose their passion they you know let themselves go like it just like it, it's like that's that's how that's not what it's about you know and what about people in relationships is it too late for for these people? Or is there a way to translate single on purpose, but still in a relationship? Oh, I think uh, especially if you are in a relationship, because um, that's when I think we drop the ball the most. Mm. Because, we you know, like, like I said, uh, it's hard to do shit on your own because now you have someone that you're doing life with, you know? That's hard. Even though it's called single on purpose, I think it's more important for people in relationships to kind of read this book and and to remind themselves like oh i i should start working back on my shit Mm. because um i've been in this relationship for three years and it's getting kind of blurry now (laughs) you know i'm starting to i'm starting to like i'm starting to not know who i am or where i'm going i need to get that back that's going to ultimately help the relationship i mean i think that's a perfect transition to some of our takeaways but we because we always say this on our podcast too that like being dateable doesn't mean being single you know the work doesn't Mm. stop once you have a partner if anything it actually is more because now you're trying to navigate i think you said it well like you're navigating your own shit and their shit together right and um, i think the the biggest takeaways I've gotten from this is like the sense of self is so essential. We've been fed these lines like two thoughts become one or my other half. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff is pretty actually detrimental in reality. I think in fantasy and romantic comedies Mm -hmm. and all that works. But in real life, like when you don't have a sense of self, like you are just relying on this other person so, so much. Like the whole, you know, story you shared about like the birthday party. Like I think there's just so much pressure now on the one person, which makes it, you know, challenging to like navigate for the long haul. And I think my other takeaway is having that, you know, um, community and having those people in your lives Mm -hmm. that aren't romantic are just as important as the romantic partner, because they help, you know, round things out, they help you like form your sense of self, and you're not just putting like everything on one person. Yeah, life becomes cumulative joy wise. Mm. It's not like, you know, everything doesn't hang on the relationship and the one fight or the what's going on. One of the things that happens is in relationships, the the, the other person or the relationship kind of becomes the sun you revolve around. Mm. And, uh, you know, you end up kind of losing your life. And so you're right, having all that having other pistons, you know, pumping in the engine, if you will, it creates more wholeness, it creates uh, more joy, it, you know, and also a lot less pressure on your partner in the relationship. Yeah, it creates more fulfillment mm-hmm. without relying on someone yeah, else yeah, to yeah. make yeah. them whole or whatever they say in these romantic Right, there's this like great graphic yeah. that's coming to mind that it was like, you're not the center of my universe. Like you're one of my big universes, but I also mm. have my career, right, my right. friends, my family, like multiple centers. It's not just one at the end of the day. Yeah, and as someone who's a you know a anxious has an anxious attachment style and who has been codependent and who has addiction in his blood, um, all that stuff you're talking about is 
it feels amazing, you know, mm-hmm. like it feels amazing to lose yourself in someone else. Those movies, like The Notebook or whatever, were, mm-hmm. were, were um, <laughs> that shit's like dopamine. That's romantic. Mm-hmm. I love that. But it's not realistic. It's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And I want to transition to, and that's kind of related to my biggest takeaway is you are in control of your journey. And I love this idea of you decide where you want to go and see who comes along for the ride as opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. finding people to define where you're going because you're just going to get right. lost <laughs> in that in that process. So yeah. knowing that you're on a clear path somewhere and you will meet people along the way, most of the time unexpectedly, who are also on a similar yeah. path yeah. and then you get to define this new path together. I really enjoy that. Um, love this term of yeah. expirations. It- oh, <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that one? <laughs> no, um, you said a clear path and I just thought, um, and also it may not be a clear path. You know, mm-hmm. it may be a squiggly line mm-hmm. there, you know, I mean, it's life, you know, and so that's okay too. Thank you. Thank you for, for saying that because I, I think that did put a lot of pressure on people being like, I don't have a clear path. Where am I going? Right, no, right, right. Nobody really knows. Thank you for clarifying that. And You know what's funny though is like you never think about like when – I'm just thinking about like that what you just said, UA, is like this being open to just things happening. Like when you've met friends unexpected, you're not mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. endlessly mm-hmm. swiping to meet friends. It just happens. Right. Like right. why is there so much more pressure? Right. It's it's so crazy to me how much we put dating on a pedestal, yet we treat it like trash right. at the same time. It's, mm-hmm. it's really fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I was just saying that I really love this term expirations. We've heard the term I've evolved out of that relationship, mm. which I also like. It mm. just means it's not a mm-hmm. it's not an end. It's not a death, but it is just a close out of a chapter that you can now right. evolve to that next chapter. Um, I, right. I think we, people should start using that. Describe yeah. your last expiration. <laughs> <laughs> Our relationship yeah. and its expiration date. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it, you know, you do bring this. I think this just shows that the way we describe dating, the language around mm-hmm. it is toxic. Dump. And that's what yeah. fuels yeah. the toxicity. Totally. Like break up, dump. Yeah. Maybe that's one of the big steps is, uh, you know, if you're listening to change your language. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So it's not about someone else. It's you telling yourself that the relationship has expired or that, you know, whatever, however you want. And this is what I mean by redefinitions um, or new definitions, um, throwing away old blueprints and creating um, something new Mm -hmm. and uh, what dating looks like or what it can look like, what love could look like. Start changing your language. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Great action item. Oh, I think language is a huge one. I mean, I was talking to a friend Mm -hmm. about this and it was like, instead of being like, someone doesn't like me, it's like, okay, it just wasn't the right fit or like, you know, like they're showing you something that's not who you want in a partner. Like put it on yourself. And this, like we've actually talked to a past guest about this. Like if you're so fixated on being single that's what the like the universe is going to serve to you because you're like just talking about being single all the time like reframe it to be like i'm enjoying time on my own but you know i also like being around people whatever it might be but like that little shift can make a huge difference i think Mm -hmm. one of my favorite rejection lines in the professional world is, oh, we're going a different direction. Yeah. And I wish we could use that in relationships. <laughs> it's, that's exactly what it is. We're just going in diff- different right. directions. So sorry. Right, right. <laughs> uh, my last big take takeaway is this. I love this idea of connecting with different 
parts of you from the past. Mm -hmm. And we forget Mm -hmm. to do that. And when we are alone and single and having these moments of solitude, I think it's a great challenge for yourself to think back, ooh, what was I like when I was 12? What did I like most? Mm -hmm. What what are the flavors that I remember, the smells? Mm -hmm. And just get very playful and curious with that. Because sometimes what relationships are, are about reestablishing these relationships with yourself. Yeah. Um, One of the things I asked myself wasn't um, what makes me happy. Um, I felt that was very loaded and the word happy can be plastic and Mm -hmm. a t-shirt. So (laughs) I started to ask myself, when, when did I feel the most alive? Mm -hmm. When did I hit flow states? You know, and it was, it was, yeah, it was younger. It was when I was, you know, play with my Legos for hours and lose track of time. When I was break dancing, when I was skating, you know, and I thought today, okay, well, now as a 35-year-old, what can I do that produces the same feeling, right? So mm. it could be a different activity, but what mm-hmm. produces the same feeling? And, and that's where I found the connection, right? So it wasn't like I didn't put on my windbreaker and start doing backspins again. Um, I found the feeling of that, feeling that alive in fitness, right? That's one example. Mm, I, really I love like that. that. I love that. Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Love it. What makes you Absolutely. come alive? Alive. Alive. <laughs> John, yeah. we have one final question for you. In your opinion, mm-hmm. what do you think being dateable means? What makes someone dateable? Ooh. <laughs> A strong sense of self. Yeah. And you don't you don't have to have like, you know, oh, I, I know what my purpose is. I know where I'm going. Like, you don't have to have your quote unquote shit together, but you have a sense of self. You're bringing something to the table other than your love or your body or what. Like you're bringing a whole person to the table. You have a, a strong sense of self. Yeah. Love right. it. And for listeners, in case you couldn't tell, we highly recommend John's book, Single on Purpose, <laughs> Find Yourself yes. First. I'm guessing people can find this book just by Googling, but is there one central place where they can find everything about you? Um, During the pandemic, I created something called The Lab, and we're doing live Zoom classes. Uh, If you are looking for a community, people are actually finding – it's funny because through my book club, Single on Purpose, people are actually finding love, which is ironic because they're supposed to be Single on Purpose. But but what's happening is you you put a lot of like-minded people in a room Mm -hmm. working on themselves and – you know, people are going to find attraction. You know, it just also proves that there's billions of people in this world. You can meet people anywhere. So, yeah, that that's uh, that's kind of what I'm passionate about right now. It's called the the TT Lab, and um, yeah, doing lo- lots of live Zoom stuff, like cool. like everyone else is doing. You know, right from single on purpose to love on purpose. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's the journey. And what is your your website? Is just angrytherapist.com. Uh, the the, the angrytherapist.com. <laughs> the one and only, okay? <laughs> Not just any angry therapist. I don't think we actually asked you, but why the angry therapist? That's our very last question. Uh, yeah, when I um, when I started the Tumblr, I didn't, it was for me, I didn't think anyone would read it. And I thought it was funny that a therapist was angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, but I, was, I was actually a very angry person. That's that's where these come from. These deep furrows. <laughs> keep them. Um, keep them. Yes. Yeah. I call I call them Marky Marks. Um, <laughs> he's got deep ones. But um, just being Korean um, by default, you're angry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, I was I was angry because I was unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have much of a life. A very chasing state. And so that's why I called it the angry therapist. And then and then later I realized. Um, Oh, maybe it was my way of saying that I'm human, mm. you know, that ang- anger isn't a bad thing, especially as a therapist who tries to show himself. That makes sense to me. I heard someone say this to me. Um, babies are born angry. 
So mm. angry is the mm. our first most natural emotion. Sure. Yeah. Angry and scared. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Also, the happy therapist is no ring. No. That. Nobody. <laughs> nobody cares about that person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nope. <laughs> no thanks to that guy. Well, thank you so much, John Kim, for yeah. being part of thank our you show, for me. or we should say, the angry therapist for being part of our show. <laughs> it's been um, a fun adventure trying to schedule this call. So I'm so glad that we were able to catch you while you're in Arrowhead. And for anybody listening right now, the reason we're able to get such awesome guests like John is because we have great ratings in Apple Podcasts. So if you can help Mm -hmm. us out, give us another five-star rating. Just It takes five seconds, maybe a line or two about how awesome we are. This makes us look legitimate so we can con future guests like John. Just kidding. We don't con (laughs) them. (laughs) But, But it really does help with our growth and the quality of our content. So thank you for anybody yeah. who's left reviews uh, one final thank you to you John where he always closes up stay, stay dateable the dateable podcast is part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts want to continue the conversation first follow us on Instagram Facebook and Twitter with the handle at dateable podcast tag us in any post with a hashtag stay dateable and trust us we look at all of those posts Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Mm-hmm.